This is Toastcaster, the communication leadership and learning lab, with your host, Greg Gazin. Do not attempt to adjust your iPhone, Android, or MP3 player. My name is Ryan Levesque, and I'm guest hosting this episode of The Toastcaster. Hello, everybody. My name is Ryan Levesque, co-host of The Toastmasters Podcast, and I am guest hosting today's episode of The Toastcaster. And our guest today is the purple underwear powerhouse, The Toastcaster himself, Mr. Greg Gazin. Greg, welcome to the 99th episode of your podcast. Thanks, Ryan. This is a bit of a switch. <laughs> yes, it certainly is. And we should explain to our guests what's going on here and why I'm stepping in. So, Greg, as you know, you wrote a book called Corey Outsmarts the Butterflies, and listeners who listen all the way to the end of your episode have been hearing the tag for that at the end of the episode, but you've never really taken the time to chat about the book in any depth on the podcast, and I finally just got around to reading it myself, and so we thought it was time to have an episode just to chat about your book. Oh, gee, thanks, Ryan. That was a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've been looking forward this uh, to this for a while. It's been probably about a month since I read your book. I really enjoyed it. It's a, a short read, a quick read. Why don't you maybe to start off, just give a little thumbnail sketch about what your book is about and who the intended audience is for it. The The title of the book, again, as you said, is Corey Outsmarts the Butterflies. The premise of the book is there's a little boy named Corey who's afraid to do his show-and-tell or show-and-share, as some people call it, and he meets an older boy who guides him through it. And the word SMART is actually an acronym, which is explained through the book, and not necessarily the SMART that you're used to. The intended audience is basically young readers from ages 6 to 12. However, with we're finding that Toastmasters and people of all ages are actually into the book. Anyone who, anyone who is interested in improving their confidence level or building their communication skills. So really, it can be used for anyone at any age. Cool. And I'm sure we'll get into some of the actual content in a bit. But I want to ask you the chicken or the egg question, <laughs> Greg. And what I mean by that is, as uh, someone who's interested in writing myself, I work in the, the publishing industry. As I was reading your book, I kept wondering to myself, what came first? Did you decide, hmm, I think I want to write a book for uh, kids about public speaking? Or did the storyline come to your mind first? And then you said, oh, I need to write this down and, and, and turn it into a book. Well, interestingly enough, I've been writing articles for many, many years as the gadget guy, do articles on technology and business, but never really for a young audience. The book idea was just something that it was totally accidental. In fact, a good friend of mine, Kevin Oxner, who has appeared a number of times on Toastcaster, he had written a book called Diamonds and Silver. And I was trying to convince him to write a prequel to his book and use that to try to promote his main book. And I said, okay, well, here are the characters. Here's the story idea. Here's what I suggest. Maybe we can write this thing together. Twice a year, Kevin and I would go to Nate in Edmonton, Northern Alberta, Northern Alberta Institute of Technology, and twice a year we would present to the entrepreneurship students on presentation skills. 
So the content of the book is actually based on that material. After I had presented Kevin with this, he said, well, if you've got the idea, why don't you just write it yourself? And I did. And thus the book was born. As I read the book, Greg, I also kept wondering, as I'm thinking about the storyline, if any of it was based on real life experiences, uh, either of, of your own or of people that you know. That's a common question I get asked. Some people say, are you Corey? There's probably a little bit of Corey in me. For the longest time, I pretty much grew up as a shy, quiet introvert, saying very, very little. And I think I've mentioned this on some of the previous podcast episodes. My first table topic, for those of you who are Toastmasters, table topic is where you have to answer a question. You have two minutes. I didn't make it past 12 seconds. I could speak in front of a group if I knew everyone and there weren't any managers or anyone important in the room. Although truthfully, when you have an audience, everyone's important. I just couldn't do it. So there's a little bit of Corey in me. Truthfully, I wish the material that I have or the content, I wish it was something that I knew many, many years ago because I did struggle through presentations in school and I would prefer to hide behind the keyboard. That's why when I do my Toastmasters introductions or any introductions, I say that Toastmasters has taken me out from behind the keyboard out into in front of audiences and experiences that he never dreamed of. So in many respects, yes, but I also see it as sort of a, a culmination or an aggregation, I guess, if you will, of a lot of people's fears in terms of public speaking and some of the confidence that they do have. I think today, especially what's going on in the world, and you hear about the shootings that are happening in the United States, for example, that the youth, more and more today, that youth have a voice. Yes, they can put things on social media, they can tweet things, they can put it on Facebook, but to really get out there and have a voice, and you're really starting to see that. And having spoken to a fellow Toastmaster who happens to be a clinical psychologist, one of the things that she said, one of the biggest fears or one of the reasons that people drop out of university is because they're afraid of speaking in front of groups, they're afraid of doing their presentations. So I thought that this could also serve as a purpose to help the youth have a voice. I mean, think about it. How many people join Toastmasters and have a total fear of public speaking? And many of them are adults, and they're not necessarily 18 to 20. We have people who are in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and up who are joining. Why not give them that opportunity to build those skills early? Now, with the book, again, it's geared from ages 6 to 12. I like to say 8 to 80. It has a nice ring to it. So really, <laughs> it's geared to anyone of any age. Right. So my grandfather, it's a little too late for him, I guess. Is that right? No, not necessarily. <laughs> I could easy. say, uh, how, no, I don't think that would work. I'm trying to, 1 to 100? Maybe not 1 to 100. <laughs> <laughs> 1 might be a little too young. Now you're making it difficult for me, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> right. In truth, I am looking forward to sharing this with my 9-year-old daughter. I think she'll really enjoy it. And there's something in there that she struggles with that I think is is pretty universal. And I think it gets to the heart of the fear of public speaking. And that is, in, in her case, specifically, she's afraid of making mistakes, always trying to work with her on growth mindset and that mistakes provide valuable feedback on what didn't go well so that you can correct it next time. But I think when you get right down to it, that's uh, the, the fear of public speaking is, as Corey says in the story, I'm afraid I'll make a mistake or look stupid. And it comes down to the fear of being judged. And we're 
a tribal race <laughs> as humans. And I think that probably has something to do with it. We don't want to be ostracized from the group. But I, I think that's maybe partly why the book has appeal both to the, to young and old. But with that, I'm curious to know, I know a lot of the people who've read it have been other adults who I, I think are probably the people that you're around more often than not. Uh, but what's some of the feedback that you've gotten from your target audience, from those who are in that range or six to 12 rather? Some of the feedback that I get from the younger readers includes, when is the next book coming out? And of course, it was a challenge just to get the first one done. I think the biggest thing was the fact that people could relate to it. There was one, there'd, there'd always be at least one element from the SMART acronym that, that people could relate to. You already alluded to the first one about it's okay to make a mistake. I think the other one is the acknowledgement that there's way too much information out there. Years ago, the challenge with putting together a speech or putting together even writing an article was that the the availability of information with the internet and being bombarded with so much information, it could be very overwhelming, especially for a young reader who has to condense their, let's say their show and tell that they're doing in school to two or three minutes. So they do their Google search or they go on Wikipedia or where have you, and they end up with just gigabytes of information. So they become overwhelmed in terms of trying to find probably what's relevant to them. Similar feedback for adults. Some of them would say, you know, I wish I had this information sooner. And in fact, I reread the book recently again and after getting that feedback and I can sort of see it. This would have been very helpful years ago in terms of getting me through presentations in school or getting me, getting me through the early days of presentations where I often share a story about how I walked away from a potentially lucrative business deal because I didn't have the confidence to be able to present my proposal in front of a group, in front of a panel. It's the, all those P words in there. Right. The SMART model I found really interesting in the book because I, I guess I saw that word and thought of the old goal-setting model of specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, time-bound. I know there are different iterations of that, but your SMART model is not that. So Milo in the story presents Corey with this SMART model, and he gives Corey basically one word every day of the acronym and gives him a little assignment to work on. I don't know if uh, this would be letting the, the cat out of the bag, but do you want to share the, the SMART model? Because I think it is... Uh, it, brilliant in its simplicity and and the fact that it's easy to remember. Ryan, how about if we go with just one of the letters of the acronym? How does that sound? That sounds good, but I, I might pull another one out of you down the road. Time back into what we spoke about before with the challenge of having too much information. We'll take the M out of the word smart, and the M stands for material. And again, too much material Milo asks Corey to do a little exercise. Corey comes back with this big stack of paper. And of course, it's just a little bit too much. So one of the analogies that's used in the book is that when we think about looking at a box of cereal, if someone was to ask, okay, well, what's in the box of Cheerios, you wouldn't be going through the back of the box and reading the list of all the ingredients because that would be way too much and that would be boring. So what would be the key, perhaps what are a couple of the key ingredients or why one would enjoy a box of cereal. That's good. I'm reminded of early in my Toastmasters career. I'd, I'd been a member probably for at least a couple of years at any rate, already had my competent communicator. And I had to give a presentation for work. Our office was moving and I was an office manager at the time. 
and I had to give a presentation to the office about our plans and strategy and stuff like that related to the move. And a friend of mine in the office who was a fellow Toastmaster was reviewing some of my presentation with me. And it was one of those humbling experiences. You know, sometimes we get so, something's like so close to us that we can miss the obvious. And he pointed out something to me that was one of the letters of of the acronym, actually. And I'm not going to say which one it is because I don't want to spoil all the fun. <laughs> but what he reminded me of is think about your audience. And what do they want to know? What are they concerned about? And I realized, you know, here I was just being so worried about making sure I convey all this information that I wasn't really putting myself in the shoes of the audience. And he specifically said, think of what do we learn in Toastmasters? So again, having a handy acronym like this at the ready could have been helpful for me to take all of that information that we learn in Toastmasters and distill it down to the few essentials that are really the things that are most important in any presentation. And, and I think that's what you have with the, the SMART acronym here. So that analogy, your, your little story would fit in just nicely with the book. So we were talking about, if we go back to the box of cereal, perhaps if the vitamins might be important to your audience. So then you could talk a little bit about the vitamins and then you can maybe have just a couple of little stories to go along with it. So just enough cereal to fill the bowl. You don't have to overfill it. Right. That's good. Again, to touch on the role of Milo, in looking at the relationship between Milo and Corey in the story, I wonder if this was intentional or, or conscious at all, but you've probably heard of the notion of the hero's journey. Uh, Joseph Campbell wrote about that years ago, and it has to do with this structure that is common in myths and stories all the way back to antiquity to present days, like, for example, even... Uh, Star Wars or any superhero movie or Karate Kid. And one of the, the common elements in that is the student, so to speak, finds a mentor who's wiser and more experienced, who helps the student navigate the dangerous journey. All of that is just to ask, Greg, were you conscious of the hero's journey element to your story at all? Or is that something that's just so embedded in our culture and storytelling that it naturally came out? be perfectly honest with you, I never really thought about it. I just sort of saw the story unveil. I kept thinking what types of adventures that Corey could go through and what kind of things that he could potentially learn from Milo or what kind of things Milo could share with Corey. It just seemed to unfold that way. It wasn't really intentional. In fact, interestingly enough, one of the things I also do is I do leadership development training for a company called Crescom International. I was actually in another city. I was visiting a session there, and one of the things I did is I offered a copy of the book to give away, and the coordinator, the master facilitator, had looked at the book, asked me a little bit about it, and interestingly enough, she introduced it as a leadership book, totally taking it from the other side, and that was something that I hadn't even thought about. I was thinking of it more along the lines of a communication book, a confidence book, but if you think about it, this is also a youth leadership book, because she looked at it from the point of view of Milo who was teaching. Because again, it's a leadership development training class. 
So all of a sudden she's thinking it, thinking about it from the leadership perspective. And again, that was something I'd never even thought about. So this whole thing just kind of fell into place. Again, the whole idea was to try to help Kevin with his book. Yeah, uh, that could be an idea there for the spinoff or the, the sequel book. You could focus on that leadership and craft another story. And, and maybe in this one, it's uh, maybe it's Corey paying it forward and him growing as a leader as he's teaching someone else. Yeah, I've had a number of people offer me suggestions in terms of places that, that this could potentially go. One of the things that happened is that Corey, of course, is young and shy and, and he doesn't like being made fun of. Which was your reference to the purple underwear at the beginning. Again, we won't go any further than that. So there's some the thought of the theme of bullying. So there was the theme of, of leadership. And then, of course, diving deeper into some of the skills that Corey can learn or share as he continues to do more and more presentations. Corey can't show and share. He wears purple underwear. <laughs> Uh, so I, I learned some new insults in this book too. Oh, did you, Greg? Yeah, to add to my repertoire. Well, as a, again, <laughs> as a quiet, shy, introverted kid growing up, had a little cowlick in my hair. So of course, you know, people made fun of my hair and made fun of the fact that I was short. That was that's probably pretty mild compared to, I guess, probably things that were said to me. And I'm sure many people in the audience can probably relate to that. Did you ever have your head flushed in the toilet? No, not that bad. I've had peanut Good. butter put in my hair and a few other things, but... Uh... Uh, <laughs> I escaped that one, too. My hair was much longer then, and of course, now it's just short, and sometimes we're just happy to have hair. <laughs> <laughs> right. Can we talk about the book development process again for a second? Focus on that. I want to talk both about the writing as well as, I haven't even mentioned until now, the illustrations, which are really well done uh, and a perfect complement to the book. But on the writing specifically, did it all spill out at once, once you started putting pen to paper? Or is it something that you worked on a little bit at a time over time? And, and I'm going to throw even another question in there to really give your memory a challenge to remember all the points that I'm asking you about. Did you map out the story? at all before you started writing it? Or did it just develop linearly as you started writing? That's a really good question, Ryan, or a series of questions. And if you think about how many people say they're going to write a book and never actually get around to it, I mulled over it for quite a while. I had a general concept in my mind, again, because it's modeled after some of the material that we would teach at Nate. But in terms of the whole storyline, I think it took a little while because I was hoping to have a like a speech, a, a good opening, a good body, and a good conclusion. Now, finally, when I did finally sit down and said, I'm going to start writing this now, even Kevin had recommended to me, Greg, he says, just start writing. So that's what I did. I just started writing, and within two days, I had about 80% of the basic content done. But it did take me quite a few months to try to fine-tune all of the different pieces. In, in looking at Corey's future adventures, I think definitely a little planning is in order, just like planning a good speech. And I think mapping it all out, writing down all the story ideas and to see what fits, I think that's probably where I'd probably go with it the next time. I mentioned a few moments ago how well done the illustrations are, and I, I really think they add a lot to the book. Can you tell me about the process of finding an illustrator and working with an illustrator on the book? Ryan, I happen to be very fortunate because the good folks who were helping me with the layout of the book actually knew a young lady 
who they felt was perfectly suitable to do the illustrations for the book. Um, Irene Godet and Bob Huey. Irene Godet was, did the layout for my book, and Bob Huey, of course, is an accredited speaker, had introduced me to a young lady. Her name was Kat Dole at the time. She was a recent graduate from McEwen University, and Kat had done a book cover for Bob. So they introduced me to her. I shared the manuscript with Kat, had her give her an opportunity to to read it through, and then I shared my vision with her. Yeah, the illustrations are hand drawn, and I felt that she really was able to capture the the essence of the book and the and the essence of what the characters were all about. So we spoke on the phone, then we met, we chatted for a while, she asked me a number of questions, and then she came up with the design drawings. She did make a few changes. I really felt that it captured what the book was all about, and I think it really adds a lot of value to the book. I feel that there's just the right amount of pictures in it. And it's nice when you're reading through it, when you see the picture of Corey, and you see the picture of Milo, and you see the picture of the butterfly, you really feel of what the book's all about. I want to pull back the curtain a little bit, Greg, and get to your motivation behind this project, and just ask you to be real transparent with our listeners about this. When people write a book, there are often many different motivations. For some people, they just have a message they feel really strongly about that they want to get out there. For other people, they might be trying to build a platform, build a brand, and having a book to their credit is something that can help them raise their profile as someone who's an expert in a particular area or who has a, an additional qualification. And of course, for some people, it's just a, a passion project, something they've always wanted to do, and they finally do. And there could be many other motivations as well. But as you look inside yourself and think back to your process of working on this, because of course, a lot of time goes into writing a book. There's an investment of um, you know the layouts of the illustrations and the publishing and everything else. So what was Greg Gazin's real, true motivation primarily for getting this book published? True motivation, Ryan? There probably wasn't just one particular thing. Initially, as I mentioned, it was an idea to help Kevin promote his book. But then again, in the back of my mind, I've always wanted to write a book. I mean, I've written thousands of articles. I've done presentations. And I thought, well, this would be kind of cool to write a book. I mean, people say, oh, if you're a speaker, you need to have a book. But yet this book is geared to a younger audience. But yet a lot of my speeches are usually to business or technology audiences. So again, the initial motivation was probably just to get something written. But what really hit home for me was the day that was actually released, I happened to be doing a presentation on stage. I was one of the speakers at a conference called Dexio, Developing Excellence and Others. I happened to be the one local speaker. And on stage was that day was Dr. John Gray, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. I think I got that title right. Mm -hmm. Arkady Coleman who is the creator of ING Direct, now called Tangerine. And again, I was very humbled to be on stage, and that was the release date of the book. But that night, I got a text from one of my colleagues, one of my associates, who had purchased a couple of books. And she sent me a little Vine video of her eight-year-old daughter reading the book and not wanting to put it down. And for me, that just really, really, really hit home with me. Again, maybe the motivation might have been one reason, but looking back that day, that hit me. 
I mean, the fact that I was on stage with Dr. John, that I shared the platform with a world-renowned speaker, that was huge for me. But the feeling I got that night after she'd sent me that little Vine video and I went, oh, <laughs> it was amazing. And recently I, recently I had an opportunity to judge a speech contest at a grade four or five level. And again, I donated a couple of copies of the book and the feedback that I got afterwards that was such a good feeling. So for me to be able to, maybe the original reason for writing the book was one thing, but being able to make a difference in a young person's life, for me, that is so huge. That is so valuable. It just makes me feel great. Yeah. And I'm sure it probably felt pretty cool too, being on stage with uh, the still warm copy of the book <laughs> on your hand from rolling off the printer. And uh <laughs> And knowing John Gray was coming on the stage uh, in a short while and saying, yeah, just a couple of authors here on the stage at the conference. <laughs> the event host actually was kind enough to announce the fact that it was released that day, which was actually kind of cool. Nice. Have you had a chance or thought about going into schools or maybe a local library and doing a read aloud for kids? Ironically, the teacher who had invited me to come to this school a couple of weeks ago afterwards spoke with me and said, Greg, we need to bring you in for read-in week. And I thought that that would be kind of cool. And I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. And to see the expressions on the kids' faces as they get engrossed in the story, which inevitably will happen because it is a really interesting, fun story. I never expected that. I just thought it would be kind of cool. And although ironically, I don't know specifically who all my purchasers are or who the book, in what hands the book usually ends up with, but again, I'm finding even with, within the Toastmasters community that it's not just the kids, like it's adults that are reading these books and really, really enjoying them. We've talked a lot about the book itself, about the process of putting it together. I think it's always important to think about the return of investment that people will get from reading the book. And I'm not even talking about the cost because it's frankly not a very expensive book. What are people really going to learn? What are they going to walk away with? What are they going to be able to do better, more effectively as a result of reading Corey Outsmarts the Butterflies? Well, hopefully they'll get a good, fun, enjoyable story. But there's a few things that they could probably take away, depending on what they're looking for. If they're looking at trying to build their confidence, you'll see over the course of the story, Corey certainly builds up his confidence. He also learned some tips and techniques in terms of taking a whole bunch of material and being able to parse it into smaller chunks. And then, of course, the unintentional theme in the book of leadership. Leadership is very, very important because the young generation today are our leaders of the future, learning some, th learning some tips and tricks in terms of becoming a good leader, things that perhaps the other character, Milo, had introduced in the, things that, in the way that he had done things. So depending on what you're looking for, there's lots of different things that you could take away from the book. And if nothing else, it'll be a fun read. Uh, oh, Greg, we also talked about uh, offering an opportunity for listeners who might want to get a copy of the book. Of course, I'll ask you to share where people can go to buy the book. Uh, but we talked about possibly doing a promotion. That's certainly a great idea, Ryan. Well, the website for the book is outsmartingthebutterflies.com. You can get the book on Amazon. You can get the ebook version on smashwords.com. 
I'm just going to step in here and handle this piece for you. Because, Greg, before the show, I was asking you about giving away copies of your book and doing some kind of promotion. And I know you're kind of allergic to coming across as self-promoting, a mark of your humility. I think this is a good opportunity for the listeners. So here's what we're going to offer. For anyone who's listening, if you want to get a free copy of of uh, Greg Gazin's book, Corey Outsmarts the Butterflies, we are going to select one listener from among those who will do the following actions by August 31st. Go to outsmartingthebutterflies.com. On the left-hand column to the left of the book cover, you will see a Facebook logo as well as a Twitter icon. And if you click on either of those, if you do Facebook, tag Greg Gazin, include hashtag outsmarts and post a link to Greg's book, Corey Smarts the Butterflies. And for Twitter, if you would click and tweet the uh, preloaded link there and copy at Toastcaster on your tweet, again, using hashtag outsmarts, we'll monitor that over the next month and we will choose someone after August 31st to win a free copy of Greg's ebook and we'll get in touch and send that to you. How's that sound, Greg? Sounds great. We might even give away more than one. We'll give away a few. Yeah, you'll probably give away to everyone who doesn't know you. <laughs> <laughs> no promises though, folks. No promises. But please do that. Let's get the word out about Greg's book. It really is good. It's a it's a good message. It's an enjoyable story. And, uh, you know, Greg's been putting a lot of work into putting out great content. This is episode 99 of the Toastcaster. Never mind the number of episodes he's done on Toastmasters podcast, along with myself and Bo Bennett. Uh, but Greg, I just want to thank you for this opportunity to co-host your show, especially the 99th episode, right as we're about to to hit the 100 so thank you for this. Thank you for the great book. I can't wait to share it with my daughter. And of course, you know, I'll be sharing with you her feedback once she learns to outsmart her butterflies. Well, Ryan, it's been much appreciated. I think it was a great idea. Thank you for the suggestion. And perhaps it's probably time that we have you on a future episode. Perhaps we could arrange that. <laughs> Well, that's all we have for today, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Please be sure to subscribe to the show, stay subscribed, and tune in for episode 100 coming up very soon. Once again, this is Greg Gazin. We appreciate you tuning in. Now, I'm not sure how you joined us, whether you joined us through directly through Toastcaster.com or iTunes, but either way, you can pick up the podcasts there. If you really enjoyed the podcast, we'd really appreciate if you took a moment to leave us some feedback on iTunes because it really helps with our ratings. Plus, also feel free to drop us a line. Tell us what types of things you're interested in, what your Toastmaster specialty is, or what kinds of things you like to speak about. And perhaps maybe we'll even have you on the show. This is Greg Gazin. Till the next time. <laughs>